Hello, Top Fans. It's Bill and Jackson from Top Fan Rivalry. Jackson, how are we doing this morning? We're doing great. I got the I got the throwback hat on this week. Uh, I forgot it last week. For those of you who have video, uh, those of you just listening on the podcast, I am wearing a Boston Braves throwback hat, so you can just picture that in your head. Picture that in your head and wait until the YouTube comes out. So, <laughs> yeah. so Jackson and I are going to cover the 1921 through the 1930 uh, decade uh, today, and there's a lot of fun players in there. Before we do that, Though, speaking of hats, if you go into the site and you go into the team store, there are top fan rivalry hats that are available for you. Please enter the discount code Jackson as you're listening to this podcast. Um, enter the discount code Jackson. It'll get you a 10% discount um, on the hat, which is awesome. They're great hats. Jackson's worn them on the podcast before. I'm wearing mine right now. They're comfortable, new era, uh, professional looking hats. So by all means, go on there and, and and order yourself one or two or ten. Yeah, I mean, scoop them up. They're stylish. Exactly, exactly. And if you're not following us on Instagram, we're at Top Fan Rivalry, or you can follow Jackson on Instagram. He's uh, Top Fan Stat Guy on Instagram. Uh, welcome to Instagram, by the way, Jackson. It's good, good to Thank have you, you there. <laughs> and it's good uh, to be there. Or you can also follow Top Fan Rivalry on Twitter and. If you haven't subscribed to YouTube yet, please, by all means, subscribe to the YouTube. So that being said, Jackson, that, that's the business of the business. So let's why don't we get down to the stuff that everybody wants to listen to? Yeah, right? the, the, the nitty gritty, all, all the fun historical baseball players that we, we've dug up. I tell you what, this is, this is an incredible feat to go through. And Jackson uh, and I had talked about this, but we hadn't kind of solidified it. Jackson, you know, we did that bonus uh segment the 1919 uh, black Sox scandal i think yes. we ought to do a bonus segment for the 1927 new york yankees murders row i think we should and i think at some point we could go back and maybe do the 1914 miracle braves you know i think i mean you guys could chime in on the comments you can let us know but let us know which as as we go through history let us know which which historical years or events you want us to, to go over and we, we can talk about them. Yeah. I'm holding up the book. You'll see when we go to YouTube, I'm holding up the book murders row about the 1927 Yankees. If just, just in case some of you, this was a gift of mine from or a gift that uh, came from a friend of mine, but just in case you're, you're curious about that team, it was uh, quite a team. That's for sure. So, all right, Jackson, why didn't you lead us off? Uh, tell us your first. Now we have some Captain Obvious, right? Maybe we'll save those for for later on down through. But but tell me a little bit about um, who you have. Who's your first throw out there for for this decade? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, one who kind of overlaps with our our last. He overlapped on the 1919 Black Sox, the White mm -hmm. Sox. Excuse me, Red Faber. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, for, I mean, he had a pretty tame decade. We got to remember uh, with Babe Ruth making the long ball cool. Chicks dig the long ball, become a thing. Right. Um, ERA is kind of a swell a little bit, but he still posted a respectable 149, 116 record for the decade. The 3.34 ERA. And uh, what Faber was really famous for was his, his spitball, which was outlawed after uh, – yeah, it was outlawed because 
uh, what's his name? Man, I had it up and I lost it. But long story short, someone died because of the spitball. They outlawed it. He was one of the few players grandfathered in to keep the spitball. And that's what led his success. He pitched all through his 30s in the 1920s, even up into his mid-40s in the 1930s. But he was just a fantastic pitcher. You White nice. Sox fans. It's a, it's a name you should know. Red Faber. He was the all-time wins leader. I think he still is the all-time win leader for the White Sox. The 254 nice. wins in his career. Nice. Nice. I love it. Love it. So I'm going to take us a different direction. In my research that I did, I looked predominantly this this 10-year period at batting averages. But I'm going to stay on the pitching for one second. Uh, one of my guys would be uh, Dazzy Vant. And so you got 147 wins, ERA of 3.10. Um, he pitched 2,053 innings during this 10-year period. But what was most impressive, especially for a time frame where this, these numbers weren't as high as they are uh, today, his strikeouts per nine innings was 6.4. So it was, it was actually kind of, that was kind of an incredible number to watch as, as he pitched. And of course, Jackson, who did he play for? Dazzy Vance. Yeah. He played for, uh, he played for Brooklyn. Brooklyn Dodgers. The Dodgers. So awesome. All right. So we got, we got two in the books. Where are we going next, Jackson? Uh, I'd just like to say it was Ray Chapman. I, do- I double checked Ray- that. <laughs> Ray Chapman was hit by a pitch. Folks, that's uh, why which, he's called Top Fan Stack Guy. Yeah, he does I, not let a stack go by. We love it. Yeah. It, so, yeah, Daz- Daddy Vance is a great one. I think I will continue the trend with some pitching. Okay. And, uh, Hold on, I got a lot of tabs open. So as I jump back and forth, a lot, of, a lot of really interesting players. But next one is Epa Rixley. Ooh, Rixley, okay. excuse me. And I, I double checked. His name is in fact Epa. Um, it's not short for anything. It's not a nickname. But he pitched for uh, Philadelphia in 1920. Then he finished off the decade. Finished off his career with Cincinnati. For the decade, he went 166 and 142 with a 3.24 ERA. Uh, 2,600 innings, just a workhorse. Fantastic. Uh, kept a kept a low whip at around 1.2. Was above average. He finished uh, in the top 25 in MVP voting one year. But just one of those classic work, workhorse pitches, pitchers, kind of on the outside looking in when you talk about really great players of the decade. I thought he'd be another great pitcher to start out with and just talk about. Yeah. Now, won 25 games in 1922, followed up with 20 in 1923 and then 121 in 1925 so just a dominant pitcher went out there and got you innings workhorse yeah just you know nothing big nothing big i mean just 20 wins here and there here and there okay Okay, so i i'm going to also mention a pitcher even though i say that i've got some batting averages here um i got one more pitcher to mention and that was uh, pete alexander uh 165 wins an ERA of 3.04. Um, just kind of like Jackson used the term workhorse, just kind of that guy that went out there and got it done. Um, not a ton of flash, but just kind of got it done, right? Yep. So, yeah. So that uh, that rounds out my pitching. Do you more pitchers, Jackson? Or? Uh, of course I got more pitchers. You know, I, I like to dig and I like to find, especially the, the oddballs of the decade. Uh, I – I believe I referred to him last week, but Dolph Luque, who is 
a Cuban, the Cuban national, the first Cuban pitcher in the MLB. Um, he had a fantastic decade, really posted a 3.09 ERA. Funnily enough, he pitched for the Reds and had a losing record on the decade going 138 and 146. But I don't think that reflects how he pitched 2,400 innings. Um, <laughs> he had 27 wins in 1923, where he went 27 and eight with a 1.93 ERA in 322 innings. Wow. Just fantastic, a, a fantastic pitcher. And one of those lesser lesser known pitchers, I didn't know a lot about him until uh, doing research for this series, but it's the first real, you know, nowadays we, we're blessed with all the wonderful Latin American stars, but the first true Latin American star, I think from Cuba, Dolph Luque. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'm going to jump us into the field. I'm going to jump us into an outfielder. Um, all right. May or may not own. Um, and that's Harry... Howman. Okay. And so what makes him so unique to me? So he had 1,924 hits during this period, which that's fantastic. But he had a B64 batting average and 5,285 at bats. So he had almost 600 more at bats than somebody that I think we'll mention in here at some point that was a pitcher turned outfielder um, just you know hint hint I'm sure his, his name will come up um, he may or may not have had a bunch of home runs um, but but Harry just got on base this dude when you have 5200 at bats and you end up getting um, you end up having a, a, a 364 batting average tell me what's wrong with that <laughs> right so yeah that's my, my next one. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go to the field, but I'll, I'll jump up to the, the infield shortstop and third baseman, Joe Sewell. Uh, played yeah. for Cleveland. Uh, he finished. Now we have more accurate MVP voting because the MVP started to become a press related award for those of you who don't know in the 1920s finished top in MVP voting four times in the decade. And rightfully so he had five seasons where he smacked more than 40 doubles. Uh, his 1923 season in particular, where he hit 353 with a 456 on base, slugged 479. Just fantastic. 41 doubles, 109 RBIs with only three home runs. Just he kind of carried over from that, that dead ball era sort of thing where he didn't have a lot of pop home run wise, but you know, doubles hitter, he'll drive the runs in. Good top of the order guy, good on base guy. Yeah, you know, he was on my list too. Um, when you go 322, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna make a, all kinds of a lists, right? Um, so I'm gonna jump to a a name that everybody knows, um, and he had he had a dominant 20s, but in the 30s he was also pretty dominant, also as a manager. And who am I talking about, Jackson? Roger Hornsby. Rogers Hornsby, ah. Yes, Rogers Hornsby. Uh, just in this decade that we're talking about, 382 batting average, um, 2,085 hits. As a second baseman, um, he played a bunch. Uh, he played for, I want to say he played for 17, 18 years, and, and we'll talk about him in the 30s as well as a player manager. Um, but again, uh, predominantly a Cardinal uh, to start out his career. Just 
just an all around, just a guy that, that played the game right. And it's a name that we're familiar with. Uh, for those of you baseball fans, if you haven't heard that name before, right? So I'm going to go Roger Hornsby. I mean, yeah, just to add, he hit 42 home runs, 152 RBIs in 1922, hitting 401 with a 459 slug on base, 722 slugging. That alone would probably get you on this list, even if you had one season like that and didn't play at all. That's so he was okay. Ridiculous. That's a, a little bit. He hit 424 in a – in 1924, he, he plays a little, so. <laughs> plays a little. Just an all, all-time all great player. Uh, I'm going to jump. Uh, I'm sure the Chicago fan, Cubs fans, I already pleased the, the White Sox fans by pulling up one of their lesser-known players in Red Faber. But I'm going to pull up a guy that you may or may not know uh, based solely on he is a base, the answer to a baseball trivia question uh, <laughs> for the longest time. In 1930, he set the record for most home runs in the NL, and – he still holds the all-time RBI total, and it's Hack Wilson. Hack Wilson. Hack Wilson. Hack Wilson, his first two years in the decade, first three years or so were, were pretty mediocre, but 1926 to 1929, he was absolutely dominant. Led the National League in home runs three straight years with 21, 30, then 31. Had 100 RBIs four straight years to finish off the decade, including an absolutely monstrous season in 1929. 39 home runs, 159 RBIs. 345, 425, 618 is what he slashed. That's a 1044 OPS. I mean, led the league in strikeouts. He only struck out 83 times and he walked 78 times. So a guy that can walk as much as he strikes out with that much pop is an absolutely dangerous hitter. Had 198 hits too. So he wasn't just smacking home runs. This guy was peppering the ballpark. Absolutely yeah. great player. Yeah. 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 So, so. We've given you nine so far, top fans. Should we start to get into the to the two Captain Obvious Jackson, or should we we give them one more round before we get into the Captain Obvious two? I have I have a couple a couple more uh, honorable mentions. Uh, my favorite one. I was actually talking to my dad last night to see if he knew who this was. And if if you guys don't know, my dad's probably more of a baseball scholar than I. He has several years of the seventies and eighties complete as baseball card collections. <laughs> so. Doesn't surprise me that he knew who Bubbles Hargrave was. Another Bubbles. Cincinnati Red. Another Cincinnati Red. Yeah, his name was, he went by Bubbles. His real name is Eugene, so he went by Bubbles. <laughs> but he Bubbles. was probably the probably the best catcher of the decade. Uh, it looked like his only problem was staying healthy. He only averaged about 96 games a year, but he made okay. the most of it. Hit 314, 377 on base, 461 slugging from the catcher position. That, that's very good. Um, and he walked more than he struck out, 206 walks, 147 strikeouts over that span. So just a really solid, uh, really solid catcher. You know, hit 353 in 1926, which nowadays a catcher hitting 353 would be, be like the greatest thing ever. Yeah, because nowadays catchers a defense first position or a power first position, but even back then it wasn't really much of a hitter position. You know, you're meant to handle the staff, but what he did over the course of the decade was really solid. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I have kind of an honorable mention, and we'll talk more about him in the 2070 Yankees series, but um, I don't know if you looked up Earl Combs or not, but 
1927, he hit 356. He had 231 hits that season. Um, and he he just kind of played it right and got down to the down and dirty with everything else. And he, we don't talk a lot about him because he played he started playing for the Yankees in 1924. And he really didn't burst too much on the scene until 1926, 27. But once he was on the scene, he was he was there. So great guy. He also had, I, I want to say he had, uh, I can remember correctly, he had 23 uh, triples that season. So that's that's an amazing feat in and of itself because you just don't see that anymore. Yeah. And the Yankees had that new ballpark, right? And it wasn't exactly, Yankee Stadium isn't exactly a stadium built for triples, right? You can hit a pop fly in right field and it goes out of the yard. So <laughs> it's not like yeah. old Tiger Stadium. <laughs> Which you can run forever or I mean, polo grounds. I feel like the, the Tiger Stadium right now is the same way that outfield is absolutely cavernous. It's true. It's true. true. All right, Jackson, do you got one more that you want to mention before we mention two that everybody's probably thinking? Why haven't these guys talked about yet? I mean, the, all the baseball historians are probably screaming at me that I haven't mentioned Sam Rice yet. Uh, I mean, he had 2,000 hits for the decade that spanned his age 30 season to his age 39 season, uh, 2000 hits scored a thousand runs over the decade, hit three twenty five at three seventy four on base four thirty seven slugging. I mean, he was just your prototypical get on base. Uh, he led the league and caught stealing a couple times. He was 63 for 93 stealing in 1920. So the guy wasn't afraid to run just kind of reminds you, reminds you of kind of an old school, Ricky Henderson, you know, get on base and, just run. <laughs> yeah, basically keep moving. Sam Rice was also on my list too. Um, but you started out with pitchers, and I thought I got to mention the pitchers that I got here. So, yeah, Sam right. Rice was legit. All right. I'm going to – I'll let uh, I'll let Jackson take the, the last one. I'm going to take – I'm going to take the first baseman of the decade. All right. Uh, which is who? Who's the first baseman of the decade, Jackson? It's the Iron Horse, of course. The Iron Horse. Uh, yeah, Lou Gehrig, um, you know, throughout that decade, obviously, you know, some things got cut short, but throughout that decade, uh, hit 335, um, played in a ton of games. Obviously, Cal Ripken uh, changed that in 1995, but this was a guy that just showed up every day and he played the game right. You, I mean, if you go back and you look at different articles, you didn't see a lot of it about him except for what he was doing on the field. Um, he wasn't known as a guy that was just, you know, over the top or anything like that. He just showed up and played the game right. Um, it was tragic that that it, it's sad to me, Jackson, honestly, that that most people know him from a disease. Some people don't even know he was a baseball player. They just know that ALS is attributed to Lou Gehrig. And yeah. um, but he Obviously, the baseball purists that are this know this, right? They know that Lou Gehrig was was the guy, um, but he, you know, and and rumor has it that he and the guy that you're going to mention next probably um, didn't get along right away, and that had a lot to do with the fact that one was at the end of their career, and one was, you know, had he not been struck down with illness, um, one was kind of at their pinnacle of their career. And there's a little bit of jealousy and a little bit of this back and forth stuff so so yeah so um 
when I think of the, the 21 to 30 year um, or 30 decade, I think of Lou Gehrig, person that you're going to name, and the 1927 Yankees. I mean, those, those are the things that are the, just the standout, incredible, get her done type thing. So yeah. go I ahead, mean, Jackson. Lou Gehrig's 1927 season pretty much sums up the 1927 Yankees. He probably wasn't even the best hitter in the lineup, and he still had 52 doubles, 18 triples, 47 home runs, 173 RBIs. I probably don't need to read you any other stats. That alone is just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. He had over 100 extra base hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half of them being doubles and the other half being home runs. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely yeah. monstrous. I and mean, I'm sure. so much. Yeah, he played every played pretty much every game. Yep. Every single game, 155 games in 1926, 155 in 1927. I mean, he did play every single game because <laughs> he holds the record for most consecutive games played. 154 in 1928, 154 in 1929. Yeah, so so I'm just going to re- redo the lines you mentioned it. Um, so the 1927 season, Garrick would have been 24 years old. Um, at the time, he played in all 155 games. He had 584 at-bats, second only to Earl Coombs, who led off, right? Um, had 149 runs, 218 hits, 47 home runs, 175 RBIs, which is best on that team. And he hit a mere, just a, you know, a mere 373. So, I mean, what more can you say just about that season alone, right? Yeah. So, all right, Jackson, close us up with uh, with everybody's favorite. I mean, the introduction is obvious for those of you who've seen the Sand, Sandlot. He's known by many names. Uh, last week, we introduced him as a pitcher, funnily enough. But, you know, this decade, he was the salt in the swat, the titan of tear, the king of crash. The great Bambino, Babe Ruth. You, yep. you know, you might have heard of him if you've if you've played baseball once. Or if the you've man, seen the Sandlot. Or if you've seen the Sandlot. You don't even need to know <laughs> anything else about baseball other than what they teach you in the Sandlot. Yes. But he hit 467 home runs this decade, which is absolutely crazy. And he was an absolute mountain of a man. And people, you know, you think you look at a picture of Babe Ruth and think he can't run. He had 82 triples as well again he played in yankee stadium half of his game so he did everything right he stole 88 bases um just 355 488 740 slash line absolutely monstrous he was he revolutionized the game he like i said chicks dig the long ball because of babe ruth babe ruth made it cool to hit home every america fell in love with baseball because of babe ruth Mm -hmm. what he could do and Going to that 1927 season, we just talked about how ridiculous Lou Gehrig was. I mean, Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs, <laughs> had 165 RBIs, 356 average, 486 on base, a 772 slugging, which is yeah. good for a 1258 OPS, which is absolutely ridiculous, which isn't even his career high OPS, which is funnily enough because he had a 1359 OPS in 1921. <laughs> yep. A 1379 yep. in 1920. Like, how many players do you know that have a career OPS over a thousand? A lot of these Hall of Fame guys we look at 
you know, you're sitting at 850, 900, you're, you're a pretty good player. We consider that really good, but this guy, 1100 OPS revolutionized baseball. And he was just dominant all decade. The only year he really kind of, you know, his down year was 1925 where he only played in 98 games and only hit, only hit 25 home runs. You could argue 1922 was a down year too. only 35 home runs and 96 RBIs, but yeah, just see, see, and that's so for those of you top fans that have been listening to this top fan rivalry that have been listening to this, we just took you through the 1919 world series scandal, right? Uh, Jackson and I, and Brian took you through that. Well, we needed Babe Ruth to save baseball. And so Babe Ruth was that guy and Lou Gehrig was that guy who kind of like the fans wanted to come out for. It wasn't a fix. These guys, I mean, Babe Ruth didn't uh, see a beer or a hot dog that he didn't eat or drink. I mean, this guy had no diet whatsoever. And so, but the things that he was able to do on a baseball field um, was special because of a, the time that he played in, right. And B just, um, to be able to hit the long ball in some of those stadiums. When you look at old Tiger Stadium, I mean, deep center was well over 400 feet. When you look at the polo grounds, the polo grounds was not built for home runs. <laughs> I mean, the places that he played in, the dynamics and the dimensions were a lot bigger than some of the ballparks that we play in now. And, and he may have hit 800 home runs in his career if he had um, – you know, if he got a chance to play in Coors Field and some of the places that have these, you know, short porches and things like that. So, I mean, he was he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. And, I mean, let's face it, every kid of, of the 80s and 90s, I'll say that if you were a teenager in the 80s or early 90s, um, awesome. But if you weren't and you were after that, you've seen the Sandlot. And there's two things that you remember about the Sandlot. You remember Squints Pelidori kissing Wendy Peppercorn at the pool, right? Let's not forget that. When when she's giving him mouth to mouth and Squints just opens his eyes and his, his buddies go, what? <laughs> and so you remember Squints Pelidori and you remember the great Bambino and then talking about Babe Ruth and James Earl Jones talking about how he played with Babe Ruth. If I'm not mistaken, I think there's a picture of you know, a Photoshop picture in the movie of James Earl Jones standing between Lou Gehrig and, and Babe Ruth, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was standing between those two. So, I mean, does it get any better? And you know, Jackson, we got to mention Wendy Peppercorn. We got to do it because, you know, everybody that's listening to this drive another car going, mention the satellite, you don't mention Wendy? Come on. Yeah. I mean, so. <laughs> Babe Ruth is just, and my favorite stories about Babe Ruth is he just let there's only two things he cared about eating and playing baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. his, his daily breakfast purportedly was a half dozen eggs with a steak. And then he would wash it down with bourbon and ginger ale. <laughs> and then in the off season. Yeah. And I mean, it's the diet of champions. Apparently he knew something we didn't, <laughs> <laughs> but um, he went out and he played with, Back then, he went barnstorming with the Negro Leagues, which got him in trouble. He got suspended one time for it. Can you imagine being the commissioner suspending Babe Ruth because he did something you didn't like and Babe Ruth just not caring? Babe Ruth was 
he's more than just a baseball player. He's just a national icon. He played with some of the greats in the Negro leagues, which proves that he could have played with anyone. He could definitely dominate this era of baseball, especially with a very hitter friendly sort of baseball, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was looking forward to us getting to this decade so we could talk about Lou and, and the babe. And um, I would love, I would love to pick Lou Gehrig's brain on how you, you are teammate to the best player at that point of all time. Right. Because when you think about, for example, when you think about a team coming into a city and it drives me nuts when they do this because it takes nine guys on a field to win a game, right? But when the Angels come to town, for example, it's Mike Trout and the Angels or Shohei Otani and the Angels are coming into town. When it's the Dodgers, oh, it's Mookie Betts and the Dodgers are coming to town or Freddie Freeman and the Braves are coming to town. So how do you be so good like Garrick was and yet you're playing second fiddle to the best baseball. I would love to pick his brain and just say, Lou, was there ever days where you just wanted to say, can I play for another ball club? Like, or did you, were you just happy with that role? Right. Does that make sense, Jackson? Yeah. I and mean, that's. It's <laughs> the, the special generational talents that can play behind other generational talents, you know, the, the jump sports for a second, the, the Scotty Pittman and the Michael Jordan, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Every, every Batman needs a Robin per se. And, you know, some guys really thrive in that role. And I think Lou Gehrig definitely benefited from Babe Ruth. And I think he was kind of relieved that the media wasn't bugging him all the time. That's as the much, other thing, right? As, as much as they were bugging Babe Ruth. You know, he could just thing. go about, he could play baseball. He can show up, play well, and then go home where – well, that's why guys like Earl Combs were so good too, because when you're a pitcher against this, this what they call murder's row, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the 27s uh, Yankees, but when you're a pitcher, you don't want to walk guys. So if you walk Earl Combs, you got to face Gehrig, then you got to face Ruth. So it could be 3 nothing before you even get started, right? And so you have to throw strikes. And Earl Combs recognized that fact, and he was just hitting the ball, right? Because he knew he was going to see strikes. So, yeah. Great decade. Great decade. Great decade. And I'm glad we were able to work in squints and windy. Yeah. <laughs> we need, Jackson, we, we, we need more movie references to these things. <laughs> I'll, I'll start a list. There you go. There you go. Well, top fans, we've taken you through the decade of 2020 uh, or 1921 uh, through uh, 1930. It has been phenomenal. Jackson is the stat king. So trust me, when you are listening to this, if you go onto his Instagram and you want to send him a comment on something, send him a comment because trust me, he is the stat guy of all stat guys. He told you today, I got tabs open, right? I've got tabs, not a tab. I've got tabs open on players. So Jackson, I appreciate it. What did we miss? Did we did we cover it pretty good? I, I think we did. Uh, I would be remiss as a baseball scholar or historian to not mention the 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 Negro League statistics. A couple of players in general that are well done. They're actually in the Hall of Fame. The stats are a little spotty, so I mean, I won't rattle them off because I mean their reputation alone. 
guys like Satchel Paige started in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a bit more about him in the, the 30s and 40s. Uh, John Henry Lloyd was a great uh, Negro League player. And, of course, Cool Papa Bell, uh, who there's, – there's a lot of legends about Cool Papa Bell. Uh, my favorite is uh, Josh Gibson, who we might talk about next week, may or may not, spoilers, uh, said that Cool Papa Bell one time stole a base so fast that by the time he caught the ball, he was standing up and dusting himself off before ah. he could even get the throw off. Uh, he was a fun read. Cool Papa Bell is known for going first to third on bunts. He could score from second on a sack fly. He was just that fast. I mean, the incomplete statistics don't really represent how fast and how great of an athlete that player was. And as we go on in the decades, I'm really glad that we they integrated the league and you know everyone gets to play baseball because then we have statistics to show how great some of these guys actually were. And mm-hmm. it's a rich part of baseball history. It is. It is. And it's it's fun to watch the numbers and see how the numbers play themselves out. It's also fun to see how this overall plays itself out. Right. And so I'm just I'm grateful, Jackson, that you're our stat guy. I'm grateful that you're on top fans. I, I love talking about this stuff because it reminds me why I love the sport. Right. These guys weren't playing for million dollar contracts. These guys weren't playing for for $3 million signing bonuses and $400 million 10-year deals. They were playing for the love of the game. They got paid, but as we learned from the, from the um, bonus episode about the 1919 White Sox, um, that some owners weren't keen on paying them a lot of money. Charles Kaminsky, for example, wasn't giving the guys uh, money to launder their jerseys so, or their uniforms, so they just wore them dirty. They didn't care. It's like, whatever, right? And so, um, but yeah, Jackson, I think we've nailed it. And I'm glad you brought up the Negro League players. Those, we're going to integrate those into the 40 series when they start hitting the MLB and, and those yeah. players too. So. Uh, even even the next decade, just a, a heads up from the 1930s, the statistics start to become more complete because it really started to gain traction in the 30s into the 40s up until integration, so. Even after integration, some of the league stayed alive into the 50s. So we'll have a lot more accurate statistics and a lot more players we can actually talk about. So, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, the, the 30s are going to be fun. The 40s are going to be fun because then we get to introduce Jackie Robinson, right? Um, the 50s with dominant Yankee clubs and, and uh, some of those players that were just insane. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, again, Top Fan Rivalries, you're, you're listening. This is great. Uh, go to YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Um, go to Instagram and follow Jackson at Top Fan Stat Guy or follow the Top Fan Rivalry page. Um, go to uh, Twitter, same thing. Go to the website, purchase yourself a hat. But you know what? Don't pay full price for the hat. Go in and put your discount code and put Jackson, right? Jackson's offering you a discount. Put Jackson's name in there, okay? Don't pay full price. Go let Jackson uh, get you a 10% discount. Yeah, top fans. I mean, we're grateful. We, we, What's that? We just want you to have the hat. So I exactly. Mean, we unfortunately can't give them to you for free, but we can we can give you a little discount on top. If, if exactly. We just want you to have the hat. Enjoy it. So, top fans, we appreciate you listening to this. We're looking forward to your comments, Jackson. As usual, you outdid me with your stat information, and I love it. I love having you on here, co-hosting with me. And uh, folks, this will be up this week. Look forward to next week. Next week, we're, we're going to be integrating 
the 1930s into it. And like Jackson said, there's a lot more stats out there. Um, and pay attention for the bonus episode that will be coming up to you on the 1927 Yankees. So we appreciate you listening. We're grateful to have you. Jackson, any final words? Uh, I mean, lockout still going on. Uh, you know, just enjoy yourselves. Learn about baseball history. Uh, just rediscover your love of the game. I mean, even just listening to these podcasts, what little we can teach you, even if you know everything that we're saying. Um, it's just a fun topic, baseball history in general. There's a lot of great stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, top fans, we're signing off for now, and Jackson's right. Just We don't have a lot of baseball right now, so let's just learn the history. Let us do the work for you guys. If you're driving, just listen to it. Make some comments. Don't forget, don't forget, we mentioned two very valuable pieces of information. One, the movie The Sandlot. Two, Squints and Windy. What more do we need? <laughs> Have a good day, top fans.